Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce to you our guest speaker for today, Cantor Sherry Allen. Cantor Allen serves as a spiritual leader to the congregation Beth Shalom in Arlington, Texas. She is a member of several organizations, the Cantor's Assembly, an international association of cantors affiliated with conservative Judaism, the Texas Charter of the Religious Action Center of Reformed Judaism, or RAC, the Inclusive Faith Coalition, a group of LGBTQ plus affirming clergy, and the Circle of Clergy, which is where she met Reverend Jean-Marie. Cantor Allen serves these organizations in various capacities, such as the Ethics Committee for the Cantor's Assembly and the Steering Committee of the Circle of Clergy. As an ally for LGBTQ plus rights, she is also a member of the Transgender Rights Leadership Committee of the RAC. She was a guest panelist for the Texas Freedom Network's Countering Hate in the Transgender Community Program and participated in UNTHSC Symposium, Out for Health. And she previously served on the board pres as the board president of Care and Prepare, a nonprofit organization that addresses end of life, where she also served as a panelist on their program, Spir Spiritual Care for LGBTQ Palliative and Hospice Patients. Cantor Allen lives in Fort Worth with her husband, Richard, a professor in the film, television, and digital media department at TCU. And they are the proud parents of three grown LGBTQ children, Jeremy, Emily, and Preston. Please join me in welcoming Cantor Sherry Allen. Thank you, Todaraba. Um, I am honored to be with you today, and I hope, I'm just explaining why I'm wearing my mask today even when I'm speaking, and I'm, I'm hoping that you can all hear me, okay? So one of my fabulous children is getting married two weeks from today in Cincinnati, and I'm officiating. So I'm not allowed to be sick. <laughs> and so I am being like, you know, going into quarantine mode, like literally when I leave this building for the next two weeks, no one's gonna lay eyes on me except for my husband, um, unless it's on Zoom. So um, bear with me. That's why, you know, I normally would, you know, stay and greet and walk out and all that. But today I'm just being a little uber careful for the next two weeks. Um, yeah, yeah my, my son Jeremy is going to be married to his Besheret, meaning intended one, um, lifelong partner Sam Dubin. And, um, and it'll be my first, um, my first same-sex marriage. And I am so excited and thrilled and, and honored to do it. So... Uh, <laughs> and then my daughter, Emily, <laughs> just announced her engagement too. So next summer we'll have, my, my husband, who you mentioned is the teacher at TCU, and um, he was going to retire this coming June, and 
Not now. <laughs> Not anymore. Not with another wedding on the way. And, um, and one little correction to, my, to my, um, my bio, I am no longer with Congregation Beth Shalom um, in Arlington, Texas. After 13 years, I am on to a new adventure. Um, I am actually co-creating with uh, another colleague of mine a new congregation called Makom Shalanu, meaning a place for us. And it will be a, uh, one, a starting out as a monthly Saturday morning service um, that will be geared toward be an affirming, um, welcoming, and inclusive space for all who uh, in the Jewish community who feel that that need is not being met now. So um, we are very excited about that, and um, that's that's my next project. So got to update the <laughs> the resume. So I want to begin today, I wasn't actually going to begin this way, but because um, I'm going to be talking about the high holidays, but all this talk of gratitude and your theme for the day, I just happened to stick into my notes, I don't even know, I guess God made me do it, but this prayer that, um, that was written by a friend and colleague of mine, Rabbi Deborah Robbins from Temple Emmanuel in Dallas, called 100 Times a Day, and it's in Judaism, we are supposed to, the goal is to say 100 blessings of gratitude. We're, we're really into gratitude too. Every day, 100 blessings, prayers. We start out with a prayer called Birkot HaShachar, the morning blessings, blessings, which are literally 15 blessings right off the bat, and we go from there. And she wrote this beautiful uh, prayer reflection that I want to share with you um, because you've inspired me today with, with this theme. And she says, 100 blessings a day requires an early start. Eyes open, thank you. Breath flowing, thank you. Standing upright, thank you. Sun rose, thank you. Ground firm beneath my feet, thank you. In every challenging situation, thank you for courage. After every difficult conversation, thank you for patience. With every disappointment, Thank you for hope. For every physical discomfort, thank you for strength. At each accomplishment, small and large, thank you. It takes all day to get from 1 to 100. A beautiful pink cloud at sunset, thank you. The silence of the night, thank you. The stars spread across the sky, thank you. The love of a spouse, a partner, a parent, a child, Love for myself, thank you. The renewing power of sleep, thank you. All day, every day, 100 times a day, I ask one thing, please receive my prayer. I am alive in your house and I am so very grateful. So I thought I'd share with you today, and these have all kinds of lovely symbols there, very nice work, gathering all those symbols together. You're going to learn why every one of those is significant. We are approaching, us Jews, the high holy days, the most important time of year, our equivalent of Christmas slash Easter, the holiest days of the year for us. And so I thought it would be appropriate to talk to you about because these 
this commandment to celebrate these days comes from the Hebrew Bible. So I thought it would be interesting as I spoke about Passover six months ago, six months later, here we are for another round of holidays. This one kind of lasts a full month. So um, it's, it's pretty intense. But I wanted to explain for, to those of you who might not be familiar with um, these holidays, what they are and why we celebrate them. So first of all, who has heard of the holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Oh, wow. A lot of you. Kol HaKavod. Very good. So for those of you that have not or would, not, or, or would like to know more, so what is the holiday? Well, I'll ask you. What have you heard? <laughs> what, what, what do you think the holiday of Rosh Hashanah is all about? And um, for the purposes of recording that, uh, someone just, you know, Raise your hand, tell me, I'll repeat what you said. Anyone? Or you've just heard that it's a holiday, but <laughs> not really exactly what it is. <laughs> it's on the calendar. <laughs> it made the secular calendar. That's good. That's good. The Jewish New Year. Very good. Okay, so yes. In, in a nutshell, what is it? It's the Jewish New Year. When is it? Well, it's the first of Tishrei. That is the Jewish month of Tishrei, the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar. Why seven? We'll get to that soon. But it's the first month of the Hebrew month of Tishrei, which this year corresponds to the evening. It begins, all of our holidays begin in the evening when we light candles, sunset. The evening of September 25th and then continues into the days of September 26th and for some denominations of Judaism, the, uh, the 27th as well. So why is it? <laughs> what does holiday mean? So although this day eventually became Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, it was not originally known as such. The origins of Rosh Hashanah are actually found, like I said, in, in the, the Hebrew Bible from Leviticus 23, verses 24 through 25. And it says, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of rest, a memorial proclaimed with the blowing of the shofar or zikaron trua, the commemoration, remember, by blasting of the shofar, a holy convocation, unquote. And then Numbers 29, verse 1, also says, this holiday is called Yom Trua, a day when the horn is sounded. That's all it says about this holiday in our Torah, in, in the Bible, right? So how, where, did, <laughs> where did we get from there to the Jewish New Year, from, to Rosh Hashanah? Well, the rabbis had to figure out what this meant. <laughs> what does it mean, a day when the horn is sounded? Okay, like, all right, we'll, we'll sound a trumpet and we'll call it Rosh Hashanah, right? So here's what, and, and again, our Torah, our Jewish um, scripture, right, is written, you know, five books of Moses document, plus everything else that comes, you know, prophets and writings and every, all the, the commentary. But the commentary on that is really what rabbinic Judaism is all about. What do the rabbis have to say about these things that are kind of ambiguous in the Torah? How do we interpret what it means? And so here's what they came up with. So they came up with four different names for this holiday. Okay, one is Yom, well, Yom Truah is the name that's in the, that's in the Torah, right? The day of the sounding of the shofar. That shofar is a ram's horn. It was blown like a trumpet, right? Because in Near Eastern or, or Babylonia, people had coronation festivals for a god above the others, complete with loud blasts. So they figured Yom Truah would be the coronation of, of our god, of Adonai, as sovereign. So one of the themes of Rosh Hashanah is Malchuyot, Melech, sovereign, ruler, rulership, right? 
So, okay, great, that's good. Yom Truah, that can account for that. Yom Hazikaron, because again, one of the names I mentioned before is Zikaron Truah, the remembrance. Zikaron Zecher um, is, is Jewish uh, word for remembering, remembrance. Zikaron Truah, the day of remembering. Well, what does that mean? God remembers us for good. We read about God on the holiday, remembering Sarah and blessing Sarah and Abraham with a child, right? Very old age. Remembers about fulfilling God's promises to us, and we, therefore, also remember our obligations to God and to each other. So, malhuyot, melech, kingship or rulership, I like to try to be PC about that, rulership, is one thing. Zichron out, memory, is another theme of this holiday. And then the third one, it is also called Yom Hadin, the day of judgment. So the Babylonians, Babylon, again, were among the Jews, among whom the Jews lived, marked a day of judgment each year. They believed that on that day, a convocation of their deities assembled in the temple of the god Marduk, and they renewed the world and judged each human being, inscribing the fate of every individual on the tablet of destiny. So Jews most likely borrowed elements from it in shaping Rosh Hashanah, evolving it into a belief that one God judged every Jew on that day, immediately inscribing the completely righteous in, we have this book of life, <laughs> um, and consigning the completely wicked to a sad fate. And then the shofar was blown when God was ready to pronounce judgment on the people. And so this name, Yom Hadin, appears in the Mishnah, in the, one of the Jewish commentaries, for the first time in the year 200. Okay, when, the, when the rabbis were kind of formulating all of this commentary. Okay, so three themes. Sovereignty, God's sovereignty, remembrance, and judgment. Okay. Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the birthday of the world creation, that wasn't until about the second century CE, the common era, that the holiday actually even acquired this name, the birthday of the world. And it first appeared, again, in the Mishnah, and the world, supposedly, the first day of creation, began with the new moon on Rosh Hashanah at sunset. And that's the, that's the name that stuck. That's what we kind of all know it by. But really, that was a later addition, okay, to, to, to all of this. Everyone with me so far? <laughs> Questions about any of that so far? Okay. The Yamim Noraim, or actually, most specifically, Aseret Yemei Teshuvah, the 10 days of awe are the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is on, so Rosh Hashanah, the first day of Tishrei, Yom Kippur, the 10th day of Tishrei, okay? So those in-between days, the righteous and evil, they, 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 they you know, they're, they're pretty much, you know, they're accounted for, but everyone else had about 10 days in which to repent, called Teshuvah, to return to God, before the Book of Life was sealed on, uh, on Yom Kippur, okay? So first day God judges and atonement is given on the 10th day. And we believe that these 10 days are a time to do teshuvah, changing ourselves. So Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, is not like the secular New Year where we're like all watching the ball drop in New York and popping champagne and balloons and confetti and all of that. And, and we don't say, Happy New Year. We say, Shana Tova, a good year a year for good. This is more of an introspective um, 
not solemn, but really deeply, you have a lot of homework to do <laughs> for, to prepare for this holiday, internal homework, right? And we do believe that if sincere teshuvah, sincere repentance is achieved, then we all get another shot. We all, you know, God is a God of forgiveness, not just a judge, of, uh, judge but a, a, a one who forgives and, and takes us back, welcomes us back in. So to do that, we have to start a month early, <laughs> the month of Elul, the month before Tishrei. That's our Rosh Hashanah homework time. And actually, we're going to be um, celebrating the new month, the new, uh, the new moon of Elul uh, in, a, in a week, actually, a week from now, it's the new moon. You can always tell again when the first of the month is in the Jewish calendar by looking up at the sky, see a sliver <laughs> to the right side. Oh my gosh, it must be the first of the month, you know? And then when the moon is full, it's the 15th of the month and also and so forth. So that's how, that's how the Jewish calendar goes, right? So various customs arose during the first millennium that, design, that designated Elul as the time to prepare for the high holidays. We have a whole month to do this. So what do we do? In the area of Teshuvah, uh, a, a Talmudic medieval scholar called the Maharal of Prague, he's a mystic and lived about the 1500s, said, all the month of Elul, before eating and sleeping, a person should look into his or her or their soul and search their deeds that they may make confession. Elul, the Hebrew letters, stand for ani lidodi vidodi li, which is what we say in a marriage. I will be having my son and son-in-law repeat that to each other, those same exact words, two weeks from this very moment. Um, ani, my, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Ani lidodi vidodi li. And, but it refers in this case to God in our special relationship with God. So Elul, the actual month, is thus the time to establish this closeness with God again. It's customary also to start blowing the shofar during the month of Elul. Every morning at morning, and we Jews pray um, traditionally three times a day. And so every morning after the service, the shofar is blown, kind of like a wake-up call, like, all right, <laughs> time, to start, time to start this internal work, right? So we blow the shofar. And apparently also, uh, Moses ascended Mount Sinai to receive the second set of tablets accompanied by a shofar blast. And this took place on the first of Elul. So, and then the third aspect of this month before, slichot are beginning to be said. Slichot are penitential prayers. Slicha means I'm sorry. So prayers of forgiveness are you know, these ancient prayers that have been mentioned in the Mishnah, and they originated as prayers for fast days, but then we now start adding them to the repertoire of prayers we say every day during this month of Elul. Um, Sephardic communities, those that are um, uh, originally in the Middle East, begin reciting Slichot at the beginning of Elul, so that a period of 40 days, like the time Moses was on Mount Sinai, is devoted to prayers of forgiveness. Ashkenazim, or European Jews, begin saying them on the Saturday night before Rosh Hashanah, or the previous Saturday night if there are less than four days. This year, Rosh Hashanah begins on a Sunday night. So we, instead of doing the, um, the sleep, we have a special Slichot service the Saturday night before. Well, the Saturday night before is only one day before. It's too, it's too soon. So we do it the Saturday before that. So all of these, and then the last thing is we start reciting Psalm 27 every day during the month of Elul and all the way through the entire high holiday season. 
So Psalm 27 was chosen to be recited at this time of year because it contains words of encouragement during the days of awe when every Jew is fearful about his fate or her fate or their fate and a supplication to God for salvation is made. And what are those words? If you're familiar with Psalm 27, the Adonai or God or our creator is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Adonai is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? So we start saying that. So in addition, some of these liturgical themes of the holiday, this is the only holiday that's not tied to a religious event or a harvest holiday. You know, we have Sukkot that comes very quickly on the heels of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is the harvest festival and also commemorating the wandering in the wilderness and the Jews putting up Sukkot. I can talk to you about that another time, but that's all part of this high holiday season, season too, little huts that we eat in for the week. Um, and then we have Passover, and then we have Shavuot. And anyway, so this, is, this one is not associated with that, which is why the rabbis kind of had to create what this meant. And, um, and again, these other, these other themes that I just mentioned too, and this whole idea of this metaphoric book of life or balancing with scales is another big you know, kind of thing, balancing the scales too. What do we say? I said again, one of the greetings we, say, we tell each other, Lishana Tova, a good year. We also say Lishana Tova Umetuka. That means Umetuka means sweet. So a good and sweet year. So you'll see, um, well, you know, I'll get to that, the special foods in a minute, but that relates to that. We read a special prayer book called a machzor. The root is to review. And the book, this prayer book, we only use on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's big. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, we call it a gazunta book, a big book. And these services that we have in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur take hours. So another thing you can be grateful for is that your service, you know, basically is around an hour or so. Rosh Hashanah, we're in synagogue for about hmm, three, four hours for the service. Yom Kippur is all day. And I mean, literally all, all day from like nine o'clock in the morning until sundown. Um, but, in the, but because it's the structure of a regular service, but many, many, many special PU team or, or poetry and prayers are added to the outline of the service too. And there are special melodies called, some of them are called Mycenae, from Sinai. Melodies that are supposedly so old and ancient that they, they came down, you know, with the Torah from Mount Sinai too. The blowing of the shofar, there's a whole shofar service and all kinds of extra additions. What do we read in the Torah? We read the Torah every time we have a service. For Rosh Hashanah, we read about the birth of Isaac and then the Akedah, the binding of Isaac uh, on, on Mount Sinai too. Special foods. We see apple and honey there. Apples and honey. Um, apples be, appear before the leaves. And Jews are like apples, willing to live Jewish lives, even perhaps if unprotected. Also, it's a sweet year, so we dip things in honey and apples, um, any round foods. Apples are round, the cycle of the year that that represents. And um, also bees produce pain as well as sweetness, just like life. And we pray to make sweet choices. So apples and honey, challah, which is the, the braided bread that I make every Shabbat, um, is, is also round. We have a round challah. No, we don't have a round challah there, but, you know, it's, it's, we make them in round shapes, too. We eat pomegranates because apparently there are supposedly 613 seeds in a pomegranate, just like the 613 mitzvot or commandments in the Torah. I've never counted them, so I don't know for sure, but that's, that's, the, that's the, uh, the idea. Honey cake, you know, anything that's sweet with honey. Some people put a fish head on their, on their table because the fish were the first to witness creation and their eyes are always open like God. And we want our mitzvot to be as many as there are fish in the sea. Um, meals, are all of our special meals begin with Kiddush, prayer for wine, and Moti, the prayer for bread, to so their special prayers accompany meals too. We tend to wear white 
for purity and renewal and all that. And then on, after um, um, we have services, you want to go home and take a nap? Yes. But first you have to stop by a body of water, a body of running water, and you do a ceremony called tashlich, which means the casting away proverbially, of our sins into the water. We take breadcrumbs or rocks, and there are special penitential prayers that we say, and we throw the breadcrumbs into the running body of water, and we, again, start, water purifies the body, and souls can be purified by teshuva. So it comes from the prophet Micah's description of casting forth sins into the depths of the sea. So we have this little ceremony, too. And so that is, in a nutshell... God, I only have three minutes and 29 seconds. I'm going to go a little over. I'm Jewish, so I, we, do, you know, we do talk a lot. So you'll have to forgive me. This is just part of it. You know, it's just part of just you know, accepting the whole thing. Just a word about Yom Kippur. Anybody have any questions about Rosh Hashanah? No. Okay. Sure. Well, think about it because I'm, I'm happy to answer them. Yom Kippur comes 10 days later. It's the Day of Atonement because it says in the Torah... On the 10th day of the seventh month, you afflict yourself. Why? So that's, what is it? When is it? Why is it? It's our chance to make amends with God after we've done so with human beings to gain forgiveness. So during that period of Elul, all the way up through Rosh Hashanah, not only are we doing internal work on trying to improve ourselves, thinking about the year and reflecting what have we done right? When have we kind of gone off the path? What do we want to do differently? How are we going to make amends? We literally are supposed to apologize to every person that we believe we've hurt during the year before and ask forgiveness for them. And there's a process. It's not just good enough to say, I'm really sorry. You have to name what you did. You have to acknowledge that it was wrong. You have to pledge to not do it again. And then when faced with similar circumstances, you don't do it again. And those five steps, that's really true to Shuvah. After we do that, it's time to do that with God as well. And that's what Yom Kippur is about. It's called, Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. It's also called Shabbat Shabbaton, the Sabbath of Sabbaths, the most holy day of all. There are prohibitions. Again, what does it mean to afflict yourself? What, what does that mean? Well, the rabbis came up with a whole slew of that, thing, of that too. So no eating or drinking for about 25 hours. I mean, you're basically in the synagogue for that whole time anyway, but no, you can't put anything in, into your mouth. No washing except like to, for cleanliness purposes. No bathing. No wearing leather. Um, we fast to realize how much we depend on God. We put aside our body's need for food and concentrate on improving our hearts. We fast because we show that we are all equal and have the same needs to feel the needs of others and to cleanse our body and start again. So we're praying in synagogue, you know, like, all day, all afternoon. We read the book of Jonah in the afternoon as our book of you know, repentance and, um, and, and the lessons that, that are, can be learned from, from that. And the greeting that we say on Yom Kippur is, Gemar Hatimatova, may you be sealed. Rosh Hashanah, may you be written in the book of life. Yom Kippur, may you be sealed in the book of life for good. Again, we, all, we wear, a lot of people are white, no leather, all that kind of thing. And we believe that repentance can change the severity of the decree by, by repentance, we mean tefillah, prayer, teshuva, returning to God, and tzedakah, deeds of charity, charitable giving. The whole thing starts out, Yom Kippur, on the evening before with a service called Kol Nidre. I don't know if anyone of you, of you have heard it, or you, know, you can just Google when you get home. Kol Nidre, YouTube, and hear this amazingly gorgeous prayer that is so beautiful, the whole service is named for it, the Kol Nidre prayer. It's actually 
a legal contract. It's not even you know, a prayer. Kol nidre means all vows. And it's said three times in Aramaic. It's a legal formula, so it's chanted even before the holiday officially begins. And it proclaims null and void all vows that we've made to God, like either in the past or from now until next Yom Kippur, that we forgot about before or that we might forget about in the, in the, you know, in the future or have had circumstances beyond our control. So, and this only applies to vows between us and God. Against others, we have to personally ask for forgiveness. Doesn't mean that we can like, okay, since I'm gonna be forgiven anyway, I'm gonna say, you know, never mind with the vows I make today, cause you know, I'm gonna be forgiven for them anyway. We still have to take these vows seriously. But Colney Dre acknowledges that we're also human. And sometimes it's just not possible. Like when the Jews in Spain had to to, you were forcibly converted to Catholicism or they were going to die and they, had, they, they couldn't. So you know, there, are, there are situations where you realize we're gonna try our best and we're gonna do what we can do, but we're human too. So hopefully these vows, if we are not for whatever dire reasons we can't make them, we'll be forgiven anyway. There are five services on, Rosh, on um, uh, Yom Kippur, Kol Nidre, and then the morning service, the additional, it's called a, a Musaf service. There's a Mincha, the afternoon service, and Ni'ila, which is the service at the very end of the holiday when the gates are closing. We really have this picture of these, you know, these gates of repentance closing, and we're doing our very best to just you know, get all of our prayers in at the very last minute. It ends with the blowing of the shofar. So that's our, that is basically our high holy day season, and I mean, the beginning of it. Five days after Yom Kippur, we have Sukkot, the holiday of Sukkot. That lasts us a whole week. And then we end the whole thing with a holiday called Simchat Torah, which is where we finish reading the, the Torah, the entire thing through Deuteronomy, and start all over again at Breshit, at, at uh, Genesis, without a stop, all on the same day. So basically, it's a month. It's the month of holidays where basically I say to my family and friends, I'm going to be in synagogue most of this time. You will see me, you know, there's, I can emerge for two or three days to do laundry, make dinner, and then before we go back into holy days again. And it lasts about a whole month, so it's pretty intense, but it's very also, when you get through it, you really feel like, all right, I'm ready to begin again. So in the negative two minutes that I have left, <laughs> I'm, going to, um, I'm going to sing, and this I guess we can con consider to be the, the meditation or whatever. I'm going to um, I'm going to read a prayer first of all, that no matter how religious Jews are or aren't, this prayer of Vinu Malkenu, which literally means our Father, our King, but we can we we use it also as our parent, um, our mother, our our. This is actually an updated prayer with all these different names for God. Um, that talks about how we want to make this. It's very, I mean, people are so familiar with this prayer and the end, the chorus at the end, which we all sing together. So we, we chant it in Hebrew and then we sing this chorus that I'm going to sing to you, which again, everyone, if they've ever been to a service ever for Yom Kippur, this is going, oh no, am I, am I being, is this like, is it like the hook? Oh, oh, oh okay. So here is the prayer, and, um, and then I'm going to end with um, a version of Psalm 27, which I mentioned earlier. Our Father, our King, Avinu Malkeinu, help us make this year a new beginning. Our Mother, our Queen, help us to grow when life is hard. Our source and our destiny, teach us to accept what we must. Our guide and our truth, teach us to change what we must. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father, our King, teach us how to face disease and death. Our mother, our queen, teach us how to enjoy the gifts of life. 
Our source and our destiny teach us how to make peace. Our guide and our truth teach us how to help our people. Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king, teach us how we can best help all humanity. Our mother, our queen, let us find pardon for our wrongdoings. Our source and our destiny, let us return to you completely. Our God and our truth, teach us how to help those who are ill. Avinu Malkeinu, let us write our names in the book of life. Our mother, our queen, help us, find, help us to find meaningful work. Our source and our destiny, help us to find inner freedom. Our guide and our truth, help us to learn how to love. Avinu Malkeinu, receive our prayers. Our mother, our queen, teach us how to be good partners. Our source and our destiny teach us how to be good parents. Our guide and our truth teach us how to be good children. Avinu Malkeinu, teach us how to be good friends. Our mother, our queen, teach us how to be good neighbors. Our source and our destiny teach us how to be good people. Our guide and our truth teach us how to be one with you. Avinu Malkeinu, grant us justice and bring us salvation. Grant us justice and loving kindness and bring us salvation. Be gracious to us, answer us, for we have no meritorious deeds. Deal charitably and kindly with us and deliver us. Avinu malkeinu, chaneinu vaneinu. Avinu malkeinu, chaneinu vaneinu, kien badu masim. Aseimanu, tzedaka vachesed. Aseimanu tzedaka vachesed, vehoshienu. Avinu malkeinu, chaneinu vaneinu. Avinu malkeinu, chaneinu vaneinu, kien banu masim. And from Psalm 27, Achat sha'alti me'et Adonai, Ota avakesh, one thing I ask of Adonai, only that do I seek. Shivti bevet Adonai kol chayai, to live in the house of Adonai all the days of my life. Lachazot binoam Adonai ulevaker behechalo, to gaze upon the beauty of Adonai and to frequent God's temple. Achachalti. Mimeid Adonai Achachalti Otavakesh Shivti Shivti Beveid Adonai Shivti Shivti Lachazot binoam Adonai Uvaker bechalo Lachazot binoam Adonai 
to gaze upon the beauty of Adonai. One thing, one thing I ask of you, Adonai, to be with you all of my life. One thing, one thing I ask of you, Adonai, to be with you all of my life. Achad sha'alti liveid Adonai, achad sha'alti Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.